Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's the final word with J.C. Sherbert here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Auburn week. Gamecocks will play the Tigers from the plains of Alabama. Noon kickoff, ESPN, williams Bryce Stadium tomorrow. Uh, so I assume in 24 hours, I'm recording this around, around 9-ish Eastern time in the morning, 8.55 to be exact. Some of you will be at the stadium uh, getting ready to go in uh, for the game. Very few of you, uh, as opposed to a normal year, but there will be a crowd at williams Bryce. Um, and then some of you will be getting ready, maybe popping open that first beverage, having a little brunch, you know, especially if you are a female or uh, you have a significant other. Brunch is very popular in that demographic, I've found. And, hell, it's popular with me. I like brunch, you know, especially especially on a Sunday after a big Saturday, you know, you, and sometimes on a big Saturday after a Friday. So uh, if you're having brunch, Here's to bottomless mimosas and Bloody Marys and, and an omelet and a, a burger with an egg on it or whatever, whatever you want. Crab legs, since I know it's South Carolina. Some of you are on the coast. Uh, happy Saturday. If you're listening to it right now, now you've probably, since this is coming out on Friday, already listened to it, but maybe you're listening to it again. Um, it is the final word. It is inside the Gamecocks podcast. Uh, I want to thank every one of you that have listened this week. Numbers are up, surprisingly enough. Uh, and sometimes after a win, and it, you know, it hadn't felt like the a week after a win uh, in a lot of ways. And, and that's because I own the bigspur.com. I'm constantly on the site reading people's comments, responding to people's comments. And you think the Gamecocks were 0 3. Uh, and I understand that completely, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, be the guy that, you know, holds up this win over Vanderbilt as, as some sort of great accomplishment. I've said many times, I said before the game and I've said after the game, it's the worst Vanderbilt team I've seen probably maybe since the Rod Dauhauer era. And that's not, and it's not even really their fault. I mean, it's just Derek Mason's had a depleted roster. They have, have opt outs. They're playing freshmen all over the place. They're not that talented to begin with. Um, so it's it's rough sledding in Music City uh, for the Commodores and really for all the sports teams up there. I don't know what the deal is with COVID-19 in Nashville because the mayor has been a little controversial there in terms of, you know, shutting Broadway down and things like that. So I, I think they've followed the protocols maybe, but I, I don't know. Nashville has been kind of a – uh, their sports teams in Nashville have had issues, uh, um, except the Predators, who they obviously sent to Canada for a bubble <laughs> when they restarted. But uh, the Titans have had issues. Vandy's had issues. The soccer team had issues. Um, so I don't know what the deal is there. I have to go to Nashville at some point in the near future for work, so uh, uh, a business deal. So I, I you know, hope everything's okay. Uh, and and maybe it is, maybe it's just been luck of the draw. But Derek Mason's had all kinds of problems, so I'm not going to sit here and you know claim that you know everything's fixed. Obviously, LSU went up to Vanderbilt, beat them by the exact same score the Gamecocks did. Turned around the next week, couldn't stop anybody, and lost to Missouri 45-41 on the road in an upset. I do think LSU's got different types of problems 
than the Gamecocks do. But, uh, you know, that that, that kind of shows you that win over Vanderbilt doesn't mean much. You know, A&M beat Vanderbilt week one by five in a surprisingly close game uh, and then went on the road and got skunked by Alabama 52-24. But that's kind of – that A&M thing is kind of two different ends of the spectrum. I mean, it's you know, you go from Vandy to Bama, that's uh, that's pretty tough. So, uh, you know, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and, and raise up that particular participation trophy and say the Gamecocks have arrived. But, you know, you, you got to play all the games on your schedule and you need to win, so they won. Uh, and there were some positive things that came out of the win, mainly because, you know, externally, you know, fans and people that are done with Muschamp, and there are many of you out there, nobody cares, you know. Uh, great, they won. It's always good to see the Gamecocks win, but, you know, show me something different because, you know, Carolina has beaten four uh, Power 5 football teams in the past 16 games, and two of those have been against Vanderbilt. So, you know, <laughs> when you're 4-12 and 12, uh, against an NFL schedule worth of uh, Power 5 games, uh, and half your wins are over the worst team in the SEC by a mile, you know, that says something. So, you know, I, I think people are still in show-me mode, and that's fine. Uh, you know, and, and it's it's just one of those things. Until something good happens, I mean, that's not just kind of good, that's really good, you know, that's going to continue. You heard the old saying, the beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> that's kind of how it is. Uh, I think right now when you're talking about this team, this fan base, uh, all that other stuff. Um, all right. So we talk about the hot spot. I named it the hot spot after the, the gas station there in Greer, South Carolina, uh, kind of going back towards I-85 near Riverside High School, the hot spot. And I got an email that said it's still there. So that's good. So this is the hot spot, uh, you know, and uh, instead of putting the players on the hot seat, this is the hot spot for this week. Um, I'm going to have to say on offense, I'm going to go with Dylan Wanham. Now, there is some speculation that, that maybe turning time starts at left tackle and Wanham switch back, switches back to right. Uh, maybe they leave it as is. I think Muschamp said it was a game-time decision. Uh, you know, Wanham's played pretty good this year, but I think he's going to really have to play excellent because, you know, you not just in pass protection but in run blocking – you know, it's, it's very important that South Carolina stays ahead of the chains. Uh, it doesn't have catastrophic breakdowns. Uh, I, I do think Auburn's got some dudes on defense, you know, on the defensive line, just like they always do, that could be problematic for the Gamecocks. Uh, and so Dylan Wanham, you know, he's a freshman All-American. He's a guy that they missed last year when he got hurt for the middle stretch of the season. He needs to, he needs to play great, you know, on Saturday for the Gamecocks to have a chance to win. Um, and then on defense, I, I don't, you know, putting this guy in the hot spot because sometimes the hot spot goes to a guy that's been sort of underperforming that needs to step up. Uh, but but this one goes to a guy that you know, I, I think when he's been on the field, he's been performing. Missed last week's game because of a family situation. Uh, Jalen Dickerson, uh, I, I think, I think he needs to continue to build on his performance from Florida. Um, which wasn't, you know, perfect, but no player ever plays perfect. I mean, you know, he did – I think he missed a tackle and or, or missed a coverage or something like that. He needs to play well. Safety play in this game is going to be paramount. Uh, they need to wrap up, tackle well, cover well. 
Um, because I do think South Carolina, I mean, Auburn is going to try to attack the safety somewhat uh, and, and do that. So Dickerson's my guy, needs to step up and, and play well, uh, you know, especially with McQuamu sort of iffy, you know, they they, they probably will play Jalen quite a bit. Uh, even if R.J. Roderick starts, I, I could see Jalen playing quite a bit. I know I'd play Jalen quite a bit in this game. I'd play him until – He's not playing well, <laughs> you know, because I, 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 every time the kid's been out there and it's not been very much, it's been twice against Florida in his career, once against Ole Miss. I think he's played pretty doggone good. Um, so we'll see kind of how everything goes there. But those are my two players in the hot spot this week uh, for South Carolina uh, as they play Auburn and try to win against the Tigers for the first time as a member of the SEC. Uh, in case you've, haven't heard it this week. The Gamecocks have never beaten Auburn uh, as members of the SEC. Last win was like in the 30s. Auburn leads the series 10-1-1, 8-0 in the Southeastern Conference. Um, 3-0 in Columbia, you know, with two pretty close games and the one game in 97 where that was a really good Auburn team. And, you know, somehow big shocker, you know, the Brad Scott era was full of games where when the defense did play well, the offense went – Kaput, uh, and that game was 23-6. to six. I think Damian Craig was the quarterback for Auburn, Terry Bowden, the coach. That was the first time the Tigers came uh, to Williams-Price. I was actually at that game uh, as a young man, and it was disappointing because the, the previous year, Carolina had gone to the Plains, and it was 28. Auburn had to rally to win 28-24. So – that was kind of – that season, that 97 season was sort of – you started seeing the writing on the wall, you know, with regards to the Brad Scott era, you know, mainly because of games like that. You know, you weren't making progress year over year, et cetera, et cetera. And then when the 97 team finally started did started to kind of gel and look good, uh, poor Anthony Wright goes out against Tennessee – uh, for the rest of the year. And then Victor Penn comes in and it just, you know, it was an 0-3 finish uh, as normal. And it's kind of funny how a lot of times South Carolina's good players get hurt against Tennessee. Uh, I'm not, I'm not definitely not in the stop, stop, stop with those thoughts. I'm not saying anything. I just think it's kind of interesting. Marcus Lattimore, Anthony Wright, you know, but they're a very physical football team most of the time. So that's probably, you know, probably has something to do with it. But it's just kind of, you know, one of those historical things. I wasn't accusing the Vols of playing dirty. Uh, in fact, I don't I don't really think they, you know, they were kind of a, a trash-talking bunch under Fulmer, but uh, – and, and really under Butch Jones for a short time too. But they – you know, those guys at Tennessee don't really – talk a lot of trash anymore so jeremy pruitt's probably nipped that in the bud like he's nipped a lot of other things in the bud in knoxville they have an interesting game this weekend uh against kentucky at home um they own kentucky like no other team in the sec owns another team kentucky's beaten them twice since 1984 they've only beaten them once since 1984 uh when tennessee has not had an interim coach uh, the Doolander lost at Kentucky 10-7. to I remember watching that game one day. It was uh, back when they still had the Jefferson Pilot SEC game of the week, and it was the SEC game of the week. And 
Dooley had on the orange pants and that they lost 10-7. And then the year Butch Jones got fired, Kentucky won by a field goal <laughs> against the Brady Hoke led interim volunteers. Uh, other than that, not a, uh, you know, two years ago, Pruitt's for 2018, Kentucky had what that 10 win team. And including included in that resume was a twenty four to seven loss at Tennessee. So I don't know. Well, the way it, it, it's supposed to be a crazy year. So uh, can the Gamecocks get off the the Schneid against Auburn? Can Kentucky get off the Schneid against Tennessee? That game kicks off actually right at the same time the Gamecocks do uh, noon Eastern. I think that's on SEC Network. So you know we'll see kind of what happens. Uh, how good is this Gamecock defense really? That's my question. You know, I look around the SEC, you know, I think, you know, you look at kind of the, the results of the games. I think Kentucky has a good defense this year. Uh, they're kind of your normal above average to good Kentucky defense. I mean, I know Ole Miss went up and down the field on them, but Ole Miss has gone up and down the field on everybody. Uh, you know, I, I think that it's safe to say Georgia has a really, really good defense. Um, I think Alabama, in spite of the yardage that they gave up or the yardage that they do give up, obviously, is a good defense. And I think that will play itself out tomorrow night against Georgia. Um, I think they'll have a rebound game. Of course, Nick Saban is not going to be on the sideline, so who knows what will happen. But, you know, how how good is South Carolina's defense? You know, statistically, (laughs) they're up there, you know top part of the conference. They haven't given up a lot of rushing yards. They haven't given up a lot of passing yards. And it's not just because of the stats against Vandy. Uh, you know, you look back, they held Florida to 80 rushing yards. Uh, Tennessee only had 133, which is a respectable number considering the Vols are very ground-oriented. And, and there's really that one drive. You know, Vanderbilt got a few rushing yards, but, you know, not a ton. They bounced some out, you know. And, and then – you know, the past defense has been pretty okay, and then they've pressured the quarterback. I think Barre's second in the league in sacks. I mean, you know, the numbers, you, you look at it, and you're like, well, through three games, you know, South Carolina's pretty good on defense, and they should be. You know, the, the, there's no reason coming into this season that the defense didn't need to be good. In fact, I think we said it. I, I think I, I said this team needed to be kind of like the Lou Holtz team in, in 2000 where the defense was really, really good and the offense was just good enough. And I thought they would win their share of games doing that, uh, winning like that. And, you know, lo and behold, you get a 31-27, 38-24. (laughs) First two games, you know, were were relatively points-wise. I think they both went over. So, you know, how good is this game, Kai, defense? And and are we going to see them have a complete game uh, this weekend uh, against Auburn, against an Auburn offense that's just been kind of so-so. Uh, you look back, uh, Auburn's first game of the season against Kentucky, which, you know, if if we're calling it right and, and we, we think about it, you know, Kentucky's defense is supposed to be one of the better units in the league and, you know, so should Carolina's. Um, you look back at it, you know, Auburn – only mustered 324 yards offense in that that opener. They only had 91 rushing. Um, you know, Kentucky lost the game by 16 points because they turned it over three times. 
you know, I, I think you look at that, and, you know, the, the Tigers, you know, they struggled to run the ball, you know, less than a hundred yards with an offense like this is, is pretty much, you know, something you need to pay attention to. Uh, then Georgia completely shut them down on the ground with 39, only had 39. Uh, and that was bad. Uh, and in both of these games too, and you think about the Chad Morris, you know, how do you solve a Chad Morris offense? A lot of times it's with your offense and we'll get to that to stay on the field. Um, Kentucky, Georgia, both had excellent advantages in time of possession. Uh, and then against Arkansas last week, it was a little bit different kind of game. Auburn's run game came out for 259 led by 146 from tank Bigsby pass was just kind of so, so a lot of short passes, that kind of thing. And Auburn held the advantage in time of possession. Uh, but you know, that that's kind of the outlier. So you know, South Carolina's defense closer to Kentucky's and Georgia's, or is it closer to, to Auburn's? And that's something I don't think we can say right now. Uh, you know, and I know the, the, there's there's a crowd out there that you know. And look, it, it may sound like they piss me off. You know, these people that say this, but I, 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 there's a lot there's a lot of people that are just too far gone. They're just too far gone. You know, oh, there's no way. This is not going to – I mean, blah, 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 blah. You know, the, the national media is picking the Gamecocks to win. You know, they, they don't think Auburn's very good, uh, which is fine. I mean, I, I don't really care what the national media says, to be honest. But, you know, there, there's a lot of people that think South Carolina should win this game, except South Carolina fans, except South Carolina fans. Um, and so we'll get to that in a second. But the question here is – how good really is the Gamecock defense? And this is a this is a big test. You know, uh, are they as good as Florida on offense? No, Bo Nix isn't playing like Kyle Trask. Um, but you know, I think they're as good as Tennessee. And I think you know, just like against Tennessee, when Duvall's big played the Gamecocks to death, you know, you've got to go and you know make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, and I think if they can limit that, that's going to that's gonna be really big uh, in the outcome of the game uh, on Saturday. Bo Nix, Auburn's quarterback, I, I, will, I will warn you, d- dismiss him at your own peril. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about quarterbacks these days, and I've noticed it, I've noticed it for a few years now. People pin things on the, the quarterback like he's the starting pitcher for a baseball team. Uh, you know, oh, well, he pitched and he sucked, and so then he's a loser and blah, blah, blah. You know, I've seen quarterbacks that are really, really good have off days. Uh, I remember watching the LSU-Auburn game, Joe Burrow's first year at LSU, um, and had he not had, – had Auburn not messed around and LSU made a big comeback and won, thanks in part to some passes by Joe Burrow – you know, Joe Burrow was 13 for 31, a couple of picks. I mean, you know, and look how good Joe Burrow was. You know, and not everybody, every play. And I think a lot of times it gets amplified by Gamecock fans because they they watch the team up, you know, team up the road for the last few years. And you've watched Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. And those guys are kind of automatic. But if you really watch – Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, you know, they have bad throws too and, and off days and things like that. Trevor doesn't have as many as Deshaun maybe had. 
Deshaun would have a game where he'd throw some picks and, you know, seem to struggle. And then when it was time to turn it on, he turned it on. Trevor is, is a little bit more consistent as far as, you know, it's tough to get him off schedule and things like that. He's really, really good. And, and, and don't get me wrong, but, you know, that's one team and, you know, they're 125 in, you know, FBS level football that, that don't always have that. 124 if you don't count Clemson. So I don't think you can expect quarterbacks to be perfect. And and I think, you know, not just with guys like Jake Bentley and Ryan Holinsky and Colin Hill with Gamecock fans that, that have suffered the ire, but I think Gamecock fans look at other other players, you know, a lot of times. Like Bo Nix, oh, he sucks. Doesn't suck, man. Doesn't suck. Has had – has been off this year in the passing game. Uh, you know, I think struggling a little bit with, with what they're trying to do, but he is a hell of a player. Let's, let's, let, let's, let me repeat that. Bo Nix is a hell of a player. And if South Carolina does not contain him or if South Carolina does not harass him, South Carolina lets him get comfortable in the pocket. South Carolina doesn't, you know, get him off schedule. He will have a gigantic day, uh, tomorrow and around four o'clock Eastern, everybody's going to go, wow, Bo Nix. Wow. You know, I mean, let, let's just let's just be honest. I mean, I you know, I players, you know, this isn't Xbox. I say this all the time. Where if you have a ninety nine rating, you're always going to play like a ninety nine. These are human beings, uh, so it's different. It's different. But uh, I, you know, so Bo Nix. If if I'm the game guy, I'm that that's concerning me. Uh, I know the, the the eye candy there is to worry about Tank Bigsby because of the big number he put up last week. And, yes, you have to stop every back that Auburn has, including Tank. You have to stop Tank. You have to stop D.J. Williams, who's really good. You know, Mark Anthony Richards, Sean – they have a stable of backs. They don't have a good offensive line. And and that that's the good news for anybody that plays Auburn is, you know, you do have a lot of parts, but you don't have a good old line, and that causes them to sputter. Really, I mean, so if you're the Gamecocks, you know, how good is the Gamecock defense? That was my first question, and then Bo Nix. That's the second point here on the final word. You know, you gotta you gotta respect him, and and don't just think because he he struggled or may or fumbled against Auburn last or against Arkansas last week could have cost him the game. Don't don't think that that's typical of. Like he's just going to do that every time out automatically. He may. I mean, he may play terrible tomorrow, but he's certainly capable of not playing terrible. Um, all right, South Carolina needs to avoid obviously this next point, the big play on defense. That I think that's that's about as obvious as the colors being garnet and black. Now you can debate what shade of garnet sometimes the uniforms are, I think, but uh, that's about as obvious as that, you know, big plays on defense, explosives is what they call them. I guess that's the big term. You you can't, you can't give those up. Can't give those up against this team, you know, and they're not really averaging in the passing 6.4 yards per pass. So they kind of dink and dunk in the passing game. They did have 6.3 per rush against the hogs uh, last week, but you know, they're not, it's not like Auburn is, is a juggernaut, you know, in terms of yards per play and things like that. So, you know, keep that in mind, you know, that that's, that's you, that that's really what I think the season may come down to for South Carolina is 
you know, how many of these freaking uh, games are you going to give up ridiculously big plays at inopportune times on defense? You know, because those things change games. I mean, offense goes down the field, chunk, 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 touchdown. Okay, time to get a stop. Okay, you're on. You're sitting there. They're second and eight from the twenty-two, and they throw a seventy-eight yard screen pass for a TD. <laughs> you know that kind of scenario you have to avoid. You know you have to dig deep and understand if you're Carolina's defense that you know it all fits together. And when the offense gets you momentum, you have to you have to go respond. Likewise, you know there's some things on offense the game guys have to do. Um, and that's my next point. Stay on the field. Uh, and South Carolina's done a pretty good job of that. Auburn had an advantage in time of possession against Arkansas, but uh, Georgia had about a 10-minute advantage in time of possession. Kentucky had about a 14-minute advantage in time of possession. Uh, for some reason, A, Kentucky didn't stick with the run all that well. They saw something in the past. Terry Wilson threw it 37 times. Um so that was kind of weird as far as what they did. And then they, they had three turnovers, three turnovers in the game uh, that broke open a 15-13 football game uh, in the second half. Uh, so, you know, I, I think South Carolina, given their ability to kind of chunk, chunk, chunk down the field, <laughs> like I said, uh, can stay on the field because, Look, you're worried about giving up big plays to Auburn's offense. The best thing you can do is stay on the field and, and not let their offense play. Uh, and that's been kind of a a secret sauce to beating a Chad Morris team for a long, long time. If you think back to when Chad was at Clemson, that's what Steve Spurrier did every year. You know, Clemson would be going ultra fast. Uh, and then Connor Shaw or Steven Garcia, whoever, they Carolina would line up, get the play from the sideline, change some things, run a play, you know, then Carolina would stay on the field and they'd win the game. So uh, I do think the game guys have to stay on the field. And then the turnover battle, you know, turnovers have not played a huge part in the last two games um, for Carolina or the opponent. Uh, I do think Fenwick's fumble – when you make the stop, start the second half at Florida, that's tough. That's a tough time to have that happen. Uh, and then the pick six and the, obviously the fumble punt in the opener cost them, cost them the game. Um, but, you know, Carolina hasn't forced a whole lot of turnovers. I think, you know, I mentioned Cam Smith's interception against Vandy as being a, a confidence booster for him individually, but it had no impact on the outcome of the game. So, you know, if you're the Gamecocks, you, you need to see if you can't force a few turnovers you know Auburn you know just kind of looking at it they didn't they didn't have any turnovers against Arkansas uh of course they had the the turnover against Arkansas it just wasn't called (laughs) they didn't have any against Kentucky uh and I believe against Georgia they had one so so they've done a good job protecting the ball um sorry about that uh that there you know and and look I'll say this about Tank Bigsby too you know, you got to watch him in the passing game uh, against Georgia. You know, they didn't have much going uh, in that ball game, but he did have seven receptions for 68 yards. You know, Schwartz eight for 57. Schwartz kind of scares me. Um, I don't know why that keeps coming on. Um, you know, Schwartz scares me. Schwartz scares me a little more than Seth Williams, and I, I love Seth Williams. But Schwartz is the kind of guy – 
with the way this secondary tackles sometimes, uh, you know, you just see him slipping, getting a little screen, slip past, slip past, and he's gone. And you worry about that. So, you know, Gamecocks have to tackle. So the turnover battle is going to be important. You know, you're, you're really dealing with two teams that do not turn it over that often, you know, in South Carolina uh, and Auburn. So if one team can get two, maybe three, you know, that could tip the scales, tip the scales. So I've heard all kinds of excuses this week from Gamecock land on the Big Spur, social media elsewhere, about why Carolina is not going to win the game. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. You know, normally Gamecock fans are a, are a uh, I guess, you know, bring it back up bunch. Um, you know, ah, they got to win. Let's go get another win, whatever. It's not the case. I mean, there's some, I mean, it, it's unbelievable. Some folks that, have just dug deep, you know. Some of the national writers say South Carolina's got a chance to win. The spread for this game is only three, three and a half, okay? It's a field goal. You know, Auburn's ranked in the top 15, whatever. You know, so it goes down to like, well, Muschamp's not going to let the team win because he's unlucky. Uh, you know, the, the players, they don't play together, and that's not true. They're not focused, blah, blah, blah. The, the, you know, a blue blood will never, look, you know, get beat by us again under Muschamp. Oh, and then at the end of the day, the refs will give Auburn the game. Well, the ref situation, because of what happened against Florida last year, and then Missouri last year, too, and then the exact same thing happens to Auburn. Auburn gets to keep the ball. That kind of makes you wonder, you know. I mean, they didn't give the Gamecocks the benefit of the doubt. Now, let's give Missouri a touchdown, right? Uh, Auburn, no, Auburn could lose this game. Well, hell no. We're, we're, we can't – the play can't turn on that. Um, and I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. Refs – I don't – you know, to me, refereeing, you know, should be kind of cut and dry. You know, it either is or it isn't. They're, they're, I know there's some interpretation with all rule books – that have to take place, but that should take place before the season. And if there's something that's not clear, it should be clarified. Um, clarification, you know, I, I, I'm, rules are rules. I mean, you, you're not, this is not the Supreme Court, you know, or, you know, a legal theory or interpretations of different law. This is, this is football and, and the rules are the rules. And so I don't understand that. And when they're unequally applied, uh, especially in a conference as competitive as the Southeastern Conference, where there are conspiracy theories, you know, uh, if I were if I were if I were Greg Sankey, I'd uh, I'd get rid of everybody officiating wise. I, I'd get I'd go national and and grade and get the best refs you can. I would not put a good old boy in charge of the refs. Uh, I, I would put, you know, I would maybe even have the referees report to a council, you know, rather than like one person. Um, and look, they have a tough job and I respect that. But, but here's the deal. You know, I don't today's society sometimes and this is not political, by the way. This is a societal thing. This is sociology. I think sometimes, you know, we're like, oh, well, they have a tough job. But they have that job. So that doesn't mean 
you know, they could be incompetent just because it's a tough job. Maybe it's not the job for them, you know? Oh, it's a tough job. Yeah, well, they chose to do it. So, so you know, why not just be do your best, you know, and don't suck. I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, we, we give these excuses for it's, it's a tough job. And it is. And look, I, I don't, there's blown calls all the time. But in SEC football, it gets a bit ridiculous. And it's a tough pill to swallow from a South Carolina perspective. When you lost a touchdown last year, and your freshman quarterback who was struggling to gain confidence gets made out to be a goat. Uh, and then, you know, one of your A teams, Alabama, Auburn, A team, I don't know. I didn't mean to make it funny like that, but one of your big six, you know, oh my God, they may go down to Arkansas over the same play. Well, let's just interpret it a completely different way. And that's not even, I'm not even starting on the Florida game last year. You know, there's nothing that says South Carolina wins that game if that play is called correctly. But I'm telling you, Carolina had just gone up 17-10. That was a huge momentum swing. That guy ran – Pierce running running a 75-yard touchdown. I think that was, you know, three-quarters of Florida's rushing yardage for the day. You know, they call that back and call it correctly. Nothing even says they score a touchdown there. It could have been 17-13. Carolina could have kept on rolling. Uh, and there's momentum and confidence and things like that. And that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. And, uh, you know, South Carolina is not the only school in the SEC that has these types of issues. And sometimes it's not – sometimes it's the big six, too. I mean, sometimes they, they're they the victim of incompetence. I, I just, you know – for a league that makes this much money where it just means more and just means a lot, you know, maybe you get the rest, you know, right. You know, maybe you need to be a little more like the NFL guys, but anyway, I have heard the refs as an excuse as to why the Gamecocks won't win this weekend. All those are excuses. Um, and everybody's entitled to have their opinion on the game. Tony Morrell today picked Auburn to win. I think he's just being honest. I mean, that's, that, that's kind of one of those things where I think he feels like I do. This could be one of those traps where everybody's led to believe that something could happen and then it doesn't. And that's happened under Will Muschamp at South Carolina a lot. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, I think Tony's kind of thinking, well, everybody's setting themselves up. And, and I get it, you know, that that's kind of the way the wind blows sometimes. Um, so I, I'm not saying that, Everybody should be out there locking arms and singing Kumbaya or the alma mater and just believe really hard. Believe hard and click your heels together and the Gamecocks will win. You know, oh, they they have a hard job. You know, come on, man. I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm just saying that, you know, if this, if South Carolina happens to win and this stuff continues, you know, it's our it's toxic. It, 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 it doesn't do anybody any go, oh, must champ, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, and some of the things I've seen are just not even about football. It's like, oh, he's a loser in life. You know, whatever, man. <laughs> I, you know, you attack the guy's life, you know, you know, blah, 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 as a person. Come on. 
Um, and I'm not, you know, I, I think Muschamp deserves every bit of criticism he's gotten for losing the games he has, and he'd probably tell you the same thing. Probably tell you the same thing. So, you know, I, I've just noticed that, that there's, you know, a lot of people are just throwing up every excuse. And it could be a defense mechanism. You know, it could be something to where you feel like you did, you know, before some of these other opportunities, like, you know, Kentucky in 2017 comes to mind. Uh, and you are, are the opener this year. You kind of feel like you did before that, where, hey, you know, Carolina's got a real shot to win. But you're just not ready to, you know, maybe you're trying to, like, not jinx it. I don't know. I, I'm just seeing that it, every excuse in the book as to why Auburn's going to come in and beat the Gamecocks from Gamecock fans. Um, and, you know, I I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I just think that, you know, it's it's just like, you know, I, I think I hope the Gamecocks win Saturday just because I'm tired of hearing this crap over and over and over again. I mean, you know, it's like on the message board, it, it, it's like somebody says one thing good. I mean, it, it, may, it could even be about the Atlanta Braves and somebody gets a shot at the football team in there, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, somebody's talking about Tom Herman in Texas the other day. Uh, and, you know, that's a big issue beyond more than just football. And he, he could get fired. Um, you know, thankfully, the Board of Trustees in Texas is, uh, you know, had, takes action when, when it's needed. Well, think about what the – I don't think it's the Board of Trustees in Texas. I think it's the the folks that – line the pockets of the board of trustees and the athletic department and everybody else at Texas. It's a money man. South Carolina doesn't have money men like that. They have very few, uh, even compared to their SEC peers. Uh, and the board of trustees, their job is to sign checks and approve projects. And honestly, there was a time at South Carolina where you know, leadership in general, be it the school president, board of trustees, whoever, state government, was an impediment to that. And that's just not the case anymore. Now, if you believe in your your worldview, your Gamecock worldview, which is fine. I'm not, not saying you're wrong. Um, I'm saying you're wrong for wanting it. I mean, uh, that, that's fine. But if your view is that you know, they should have fired Ray Tanner and Will Muschamp after a four and eight football season last year. And, you know, they had the power to push Caslin to do, to do it. Then, um, you know, and then that's the, that, that's a decision that's going to set the athletic department and football back years. Then, then you're entitled to that. And it may be, you know, I openly speculate and not Ray Tanner. I mean, I, I think, Ray has presided over a tough period in Gamecock athletics. Uh, I think if you would like another athletic director, that is fine. Uh, I think it's asinine if, if, if football tanks to sit there and say, I mean, I think the worst idea you could possibly have would be to say, all right, well, we're going to blame Ray Tanner for football sucking completely. You know, it's 100% his fault. When it's not, it's not. You know, no athletic directors make questionable hires all the time in every sport and are in the Hall of Fame. Jeremy Foley's considered one of the best athletic directors in the history of the SEC. He hired Muschamp to replace Meyer. He hired Ron Zook to replace Spurrier. And he hired Jim McElwain to replace Will Muschamp. 
I mean, Mike McGee, our Brad, the great Mike McGee, everybody's like, oh, why we need Mike McGee back? No, you don't. Mike McGee was great at, at, at doing making hires that jump-started programs. He was outstanding hiring Holtz and Spurrier back-to-back is an amazing feat. Um, that's never happening again, by the way, at South Carolina. <laughs> You're never going to get that kind of deal. Um, uh, again, first and foremost, you, you don't have coaches like Spurrier and Holtz out there, you know, right now. You know, they're just sitting there waiting to get back in. And and don't say Urban Meyer because Urban Meyer is going where he can win a third national championship. Um, and, you know, maybe Bob Stoops fits in that category. I don't know. But, you know, he also, Mike McGee, refused to, you know, have a visionary plan with facilities. Um, I think in hindsight, no, I'm not going to call the Colonial Life Arena a mistake. I'm just not going to do it because I I'll, I'll like it, and I think when it's full, it's loud. I think there are other problems there with men's basketball attendance and stuff, and it's great for the women. I mean, you know, in hindsight, you know, I mean, he never built Ray Tanner's baseball stadium. Eric Hyman had to do that. I mean, just, just the way they dropped the ball spending money at South Carolina during his tenure was tough. And, and they, they got way behind the rest of the SEC. And so the, for the past, everybody's like, why is South Carolina playing catch up? They're always behind. Well, you know, those of you that worship Mike McGee and hate Ray Tanner, you know, go back in time and then and, and where was the strategic plan for facilities? Hyman had to come in there and do that because there wasn't one, you know? Um, and so the asinine idea here is that the problem is all Ray Tanner. Okay. Let's say football finishes two and eight. It's all Ray Tanner's fault. So let's fire Ray Tanner and then bring in a new AD to evaluate everything and then bring the football staff back for another year for this evaluation. Come on, man. (laughs) I mean, you know, (laughs) that's like saying, all right, all right. I, uh, I have a tumor in my left leg and uh, it's getting worse, not better, and it may spread. It may kill me. Um, and, you know, I keep breaking my big toe on my right foot. So what I'm going to do, because the tumor is kind of numb, and, you know, I'm just numb to the tumor right now. What I'm going to do is because I keep getting annoyed at my toe, you know, that, that has a little hairline fracture in it. I'm going to cut off my toe. And then I'm going to evaluate the tumor in my leg for the next year. (laughs) Come on, man. Come on. So that's the asinine decision. Uh, And I know people are mad at Ray Tanner and all that. And it's fine. You want Ray Tanner to go fine. But I'm telling you this right now, you know, if, if he's a scapegoat for the football season and you don't take care of football, it's going to get way worse. And a new athletic or some suit from someplace is not going to make any better of a hire than Ray Tanner. Ray Tanner should not be allowed to make the next hire at South Carolina. Why not? Oh, his, his track record is bad. I mean, well, what if Mark Kingston goes to the World Series this year? Because he's got a team that can do it. Is that a bad hire all of a sudden? Or is that a coach that had a bad season? You know? 
Uh, Will Muschamp is one football hire. I, I assure you that the pool of candidates out there is stronger than it was in 2015, too, people that want the job. If only for the reason that uh, they're not following Steve Spurrier, you know, and and it wasn't like a lot of coaches backed away from it because they were following Spurrier, but, you know, it's a better situation now at South Carolina. And there's more coaches. There's more coaches looking. There's more good young coaches uh, out there that are looking to move up that would love the opportunity. So uh, that's a little rant, but that's just one of the things I see. Oh, if Ray Tanner is not fired, then we'll never win at football again. Ray Tanner's not coaching football, folks. South Carolina doesn't have an athletics department problem other than a pandemic that's going to cause them to lose money, you know. Uh, I certainly think there's a lot you can criticize Ray for, but you can deal with that down the road if you have a football problem. That's the immediate problem. If things tank, Carolina beats Auburn this weekend, goes and meets LSU the next weekend down at Baton Rouge, which could happen. That doesn't. That's not as daunting as it normally is, you know. Finally beats a and I mean, all of a sudden, you know, you're four and two going to Oxford. The losses to Florida and Tennessee are a distant memory. A distant memory. Well, I, Will Muschamp is the best coach in the history of football. Yeah, no. I don't think anybody's going to say that this year at all. Um, You know, so I understand the no confidence. I always understand that the, the national media picking the Gamecocks because they simply see Auburn struggling – and Gamecocks, you know, they only lost to their darlings, Tennessee, by four. Good game, Gamecocks. Now that was a game Carolina should have won. Tennessee's not better than South Carolina, uh, except, you know, in terms of, like, talent and ability to win. You play that game ten times. I think it's six to four Gamecocks, to be honest, because they don't make those mistakes. Uh, oh, well, they played Florida – Darling Florida within two touchdowns. Okay, you know, good for them. And then, oh, they well, they waxed Vanderbilt as bad as Darling LSU did, you know. And so they're looking at that, and they're looking at Auburn's struggle against Arkansas, and I think it's mental. Then Auburn should have lost that game. Auburn's not very good. Auburn's not very good relative to expectations, in my opinion. Some people – one guy had them third in the country. (laughs) I was like – how the hell do you figure that when you don't have an offensive line? Um, and it's one of those years at Auburn where they're gonna they're gonna struggle at times. So I understand you feel like like Admiral Akbar, it's a trap. It's a trap. I understand. I understand all that. And maybe it is. I asked myself that question earlier this week here on the podcast. Arkansas also is better than we think. If you look at Arkansas. Yes, they were god-awful last year. And Chad Moore, you want want to know about a guy losing his team? Chad Moore's completely lost that team. It was – they weren't even – you know, it was ugly. Uh, But this year, if you think about it – Think about it. Anyway, it's a good song. Higher Love by Steve Linwood, good song. Um, You know, they had one bad half against Georgia – Georgia pulled away from them in the opener. They go and they beat Mississippi State. Speaking of darlings, they were a darling for about a week. I agree. I, I bought in on the hype train too. Um, and almost to the point where I was like, maybe the air raid will work in the SEC. And I think it will against certainty. You can't turn the ball over like they're doing. 
Uh, I don't think that's the scheme. I think it's KJ Costello's a turnover machine. Uh, I think he's good at picking apart man coverage and terrible against zone. But, um, you know, they, they held Mississippi State down and won that game, snapped a losing streak, and they should have beaten Auburn. Um, and so I think Arkansas is better than we think. And I think that, you know, maybe the tendency to kind of catch up with that nationally is, oh, oh Arkansas was really bad last year, so let's, let's just downgrade Auburn. Um, and so then the question becomes – is Auburn better than we think, or are they? I don't know. You know, you kind of look at the body of work, and I would lean toward not a top 15 team, but maybe they are. Maybe they just played a really, really good Georgia team. You know, Arkansas is better than we think. You know, Kentucky's got a good defense, and and they're kind of right on schedule. So those are all the questions. Um, Nevertheless, uh, I'll give my prediction at the end. I've already talked about it on multiple podcasts and radio shows. But we have mailbag questions, as we always do. Love the mailbag questions. And you can get in the mailbag by uh, emailing inside the gamecocks at gmail.com. Noah emails in frequent knower, uh, frequent knower, frequent uh, emailer. JC, definitely excited about tomorrow's game. I heard that Jakari Caldwell, the freshman wide receiver, will get some opportunities this week. Uh, Do you think he'll actually play meaningful snaps against Auburn, and what is his skill set as a receiver? He's a taller guy, long strider, good hands, really came on. Uh, As a a senior, he was committed to East Carolina, uh, played at Northwestern High in Rock Hill. Gamecocks went in, flipped him. He also had Tennessee, and Clemson was even looking at him a little bit. Uh, I think Clemson may have offered had he not been ready to roll with the Gamecocks. Um, do I think he'll play meaningful snaps? Meaningful snaps, possibly. Um, bunch of targets and catches. I don't know. You know, I hope so. Because I mean, you know, if you can get him going, let's say he's much better than people think. Now, I, I've only heard, you know, he's promising. I haven't heard anything coming from practice that are inside the program that, that he's going to be some blow up freshman this year. Now you never know, you know, cause I don't hear everything. <laughs> um, and I, I didn't even hear that about Alshon Jeffrey, to be honest with me. I think everybody in 09 was like Alshon Jeffrey, turn him loose. <laughs> and they finally did. And you see what happened, but you know, so I, I'll say I haven't heard that. You know, I've, I've, I've heard that, oh, they really like Rico Powers and they're hopeful to continue to bring Xavier Leggett along and, and all that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if he gets opportunities, can make some things happen, that's only good. I, you know, my gut says he's probably a year away. Um, but maybe not. Maybe not, you know, because the, the, guy, the guy got awfully good in a hurry his senior year of high school, so maybe his – you know, he's got an accelerated trajectory toward his ceiling. That's a lot of words. Accelerated trajectory towards his ceiling. The science of football, football recruiting, player development. Oh, yes. I don't know. Feeling weird today, folks. Feeling weird today. Thank you, Noah, for the email. Then we got one more. Mark says, what's the one position on the team, wide receiver, linebacker, buck, etc.?" could improve drastically by season's end. My guess would be linebacker if you include Buck. 
and move Birch onto the field more, which is shift Enigbari to the opposite DM position. Um, I, yeah, I, I think it's probably well. I'm gonna go line. Well, all right. So, so we well, you mentioned receiver. Receiver has the highest ceiling and the lowest floor. So they have the the biggest runway, I guess, to, to improve drastically by seasons in. Um, but I'm gonna take them out of the equation because I, you know, I I think it would be impossible for them not to get somewhat better as the season moves on. Um, linebacker is intriguing to me, and I'll tell you why. Because you, you do, if you do include the buck as a linebacker, because Birch will play more, he's going to get better and better. Um, you, you also have, you know, Jamar Brown getting healthy, you know, to play at the dime position. Muhammad Kaba got a lot of good snaps last week as a freshman. He's going to be really good. So by the time the season ends, you know, that spot will be, I think, a, a lot better. You know, concern, and I almost put Damani Staley in the hot spot this week on defense. Um, but I don't know how much dime and, and and nickel they're really. You know, they're with nickel. He's still on the field, but I don't know how many. I, mean, I don't know. I don't quite know how they're going to play Auburn. You know, uh, schematically on Saturday. So I don't know if he'd play a lot. You know, obviously he's got to get better. He's a solid player, man. It's just sometimes he is what he is. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go with linebacker there. But, I, I mean, I think safety and, you know, has a chance to be a lot better as Dickerson comes along. Shiloh Sanders was impressive uh, at times against Vanderbilt, and that's a positive thing if he comes along. I think it's positive that the more he plays because his dad may, you know, tweet about him or whatever. Uh, hopefully he doesn't go to Jackson State to play for Dion. I think that would be – That'd be that'd actually be a loss because like, I, I think I think in a year or two we're gonna be talking about Shiloh Sanders not only starting but being pretty damn good. Uh, you don't need to lose any safeties, and now I, and I'm not saying that's gonna happen. Okay, I'm not saying that's gonna happen, but uh, he uh, he showed some things. So safety's another one that has a chance. You know, punter. <laughs> Punter has a chance too, man. I was glad to see Kai had 48 and a half yards on two kicks last week. Maybe he can keep rocking that. So punter obviously would be one. All right. So that's all the time on the Inside the Gamecast podcast we have this week. Uh want to just encourage all of you to, you know, go to Apple and rate us, write a review, trying to get to a thousand by the end of the the, the football season and we're getting up there. Borrow somebody's phone if you have to. Uh, if you don't use iPhone and rate us and review us and all that, we're the highest ranked Gamecock podcast that just focuses on the Gamecocks on uh, the Apple Pod rankings. And I appreciate that. That's a that's a tribute to you guys. I just sit here and talk. Um, you can check a good interview with me out on another podcast this week, the Tito's and Chicken podcast. Kind of a younger uh, group of Gamecock podcasters there. They really do a good job. Enjoyed about 56 minutes with those guys. We talked about a lot of things. We talked about beer, you know, talked about uh, Gamecock memories, talked about this the team. It was really a thorough and good interview. So check those guys out if you have some time. Also, the J.C. and Morgan College Football Podcast, uh, J.B. and Goldwater Show. Uh, I'm also on with Keith later today on Locked on the Gamecocks. Uh, so I've been a little bit everywhere. 
I was on Sirius XM with Chris Childers this week talking about the Gamecocks. So it's been a full week for years, truly. Um, so I really appreciate it. Really appreciate everybody listening. Uh, prediction, and I made this earlier this week for those that missed it, final score, Gamecocks 27, Auburn 20. Uh, I think Carolina's offense is going to do enough to keep Auburn's offense off the field. It's not going to be a perfect game. There's going to be twists and turns. Auburn could easily win. Uh, but kind of in this crazy year, you know, I, I think if there's a year to stop the streak against Auburn, it's, it's a year where you weren't even supposed to be playing them. Uh, and they got added, <laughs> you know, uh, because of the pandemic and and all that. And, you know, I, I think – Auburn is for by their standards right now a struggling bunch, and you just don't want them to get well against you, you know. So we'll see kind of uh, what happens there. I uh, appreciate all the mailbag questions. I know I'll get several next week, folks. Enjoy game day. Uh, this is the third one of the year. There's only seven left. Win or lose, uh, I know if there's a loss. People are going to be pretty upset. <laughs> Uh, and if, if there's a win, I'm going to be relieved, you know, not even happy, just relieved. Uh, so anyway, this is JC Sherbert. This has been inside the Gamecocks podcast. Uh, you folks have a wonderful weekend and we'll holla at you Monday.